Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2020. This is Patrick talking about Steps 8 and 9. Hello, I'm Patrick and I'm an alcoholic and I'm sober today thanks to AA and a high power. Uh, my sobriety, uh, my last drink, uh, I had my last drink on the, June the 26, 1993, so I've been sober 26 years. I got sober in Warrigal, um, so my first experiences with attempting step eight and nine were rudimentary at best, but even before I uh, attempted to do the steps, before I got a sponsor, before I tried to do these steps down in Warrigal, I had a bit of a look at that step eight and nine, and it was the most fearful of all the steps. I believe I was a antisocial, delinquent, nasty drunk, um, so there was... Hence, I got sober when I was 20 years of age. Um, so I and I got I grew up in Noble Park. So what I believed I was going to have to do, or what I thought was the safest way for me, as it says, don't call, don't cause harms to yourself or others, was to just drive down the main street of Noble Park, have the window down with a megaphone, and say, "It's Patrick. I'm apologising for all the shit I did to all of you <laughs> on a Saturday morning." So I'm, you know, I should have a blank. I should get most of them, uh, and just drive off when people because I, I literally got chased down the street by a bunch. Muslims one time because I mucked up there I uh, tried to take back my old church so there's just you know like really dumb behavior when I was um, drinking so that was my belief and I said now that's just way too much it's way too hard and then I actually got a sponsor um, who hadn't really gone through the steps like the, like as intended in the big book so basically my first attempt at completing the steps was in Warrigal my sponsor Peter Hadn't actually gone through the steps of why it was laid out in the big book, so he literally winged it. He just made it up as he went along. He had some... He, 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 where he got sober, he was sober about seven years himself at the date of time uh, when he was taking me through the steps, and he just had this, you know, like speaker meeting, just write the shit down. So um, write down what you did. So uh, he said... Um, so he said the method he employed was to write down all the bad shit you have done to give it to him, which I dutifully did, and he read the entire two A4 pages of all the list of my bad behaviours, then instructed me to burn it. And, I, and informed me you were one sick puppy, then proudly declaring to me that you don't have to be like that anymore. So, so, so that was it. That was the end of that. I just lit it up and said, shit, that's all done. Um, so... Uh, very good. <laughs> That's the abbreviated and useless way to do it. Um, so, so when I was working out with my, uh, so I was working with a blank canvas when it came to my list of all the persons I had harmed. Seeing as I'd burnt the names of the people <laughs> who were on my A4 sheets. So uh, my actual first attempt was about 12 months later when I met a, uh, a guy I used to play football with, uh, Philip. Um, and I played footy with him for a number of years, so from about the age of eight till uh, 17. I started talking to Philip in the... I saw him in Noble Park, um, but, you know, uh, nonetheless, and I, uh, and I hadn't seen this guy for years, obviously. So I started talking to Philip, and in the middle of the conversation, mentioned that I needed to apologise for drinking a slab of beer with my dopey cousin at his father's pub and had been thrown out, uh, seen as you're not meant to drink, you know... <laughs> not mentioned drink. I didn't even buy the slab from his um, bottle shop. So um, just to add insult to injury. And uh, yeah, so I, I, pull it, so I, I try to remind Philip of the, the event. 
the pub was in Dandenong, so I was just a bum on a night, and I'm trying to go, remember, I did this, he's like, yeah. So eventually he goes, oh, that's right, yeah, because I, I just carried on, uh, carried on like an idiot. So, um, uh, but Philip reported, with, so when I, he finally remembered that incident, and Philip reported back to me that, um, and it was a revelation, that, uh, uh, Patrick, you were always a drunken dickhead, at least now you're not drinking and and you're not annoying people. So that was about all I got out of that. It was humiliating because what I believe was it was one incident where I was actually, a, 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 you know, like that was my, my worst uh, uh, incident with him. But he actually reminded me that, no, 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 you were from the age of 15 onwards, as soon as you started drinking, and I knew you before you started drinking, you were just an idiot, you know. So... It was humiliating, but it was of no. It had a tiny bit of use, and it wasn't really formal. So what it did, I, I, there was another person who I was going to, uh, who I knew I had to do some uh, amends, and I, I didn't get to it because I actually asked my father. So instead of going through this process once again with a sponsor who'd gone through it themselves, I asked my old man. I said, "What I did on my last night of my drink was I, I was I had this thing called an alcohol-induced psychosis. Okay, that's the technical term for it." I was mad. I drank a lot, a lot of grog in Morwell. I was drinking in Morwell because I got thrown out of Warrigal, got thrown out of Noble Park. Parents had shifted to Warrigal, so it's just a geographic thing. But Morwell's a... I, I said, I cannot get thrown out of a pub in Morwell. They've got chromosomes missing. I've worked in this town. It is the dumbest town I've ever seen. Everyone's, you know, got three teeth missing. They can, you know, they, they abbreviate their names to Shaz and all that kind of stuff. So I was better than all of them. I got barred for life in that first night from the from a pub where they only have plastic jugs. Uh, it's, um, yeah, it was called the Merton Rush, and uh, yeah, so I got the bum rush. I got thrown out. Um, I got beaten up by the bouncer and everything else. Uh, and, yeah, because I was such an innocent victim. I jumped the bar and was pouring myself free beer, and then I punched him when he tried to stop me. So yeah, how, how could he do that to me? Um, but anyway, that's how I saw it. But what I did after that was I believe someone was chasing me, and I ran to my dad's friend's place, and I. And this person was a figment of my imagination. That was a psychotic delusion. And so, psychotic visual hallucination, actually. Um, so what I did was I tried to actually break into the house. I thought there was someone home, and I thought that they wanted to see me get killed. So I got my friend's, uh, my dad's friend's name was Neil, and thankfully he wasn't home that night. I think it was a high power thing. And I grabbed the security door, and they're really secure, but I tried to rip it out. I tried to rip it off its hinges. I bent it out of shape. I got the fuses from his um, uh, from the front of his house and I threw them through the window, saying, how dare you not let me out? I'm going to get killed here, and you're just going to witness it, believing he was in the house. Nonetheless, I knew that I Neil had spoken about some lunatic, who was me, when I got sober, and he'd come over to my dad's, to my dad's house about four weeks later and said, this lunatic smashed the crap out of the front of my house and it's cost $2,000 to fix. And he's going, I'm going to have to get a new door jam. Obviously, the security door was bent, you know, way out of shape. And, you know, like the windows have got to get replaced. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And it was uh, – and to keep his friendship, what my dad said is, you know, like if if I told – if, you, if I told Neil and I tried to recompensate him at that point, you know, like he's never going to be his friend again, it's going to stuff everything up. So I suppose that was a, that's how he saw it. But I said, I can pay him back. And he goes, but what it was was, a, was the shame of my behaviour. I think that's what Dad was really saying. I don't really, you know, want to drag, drag you through this process, but it, it would have been a great benefit. So when I actually did go through the steps formally was uh, 19 years, uh, I was 19 years sober a day at a time. Um, so, yeah, that was that. So I'll go. 
and, and I finally worked out the courage to ask a member who had done the steps thoroughly, the big book way, the Joe and Charlie big book, uh, Joe jo and Charlie uh, books that you use, you know, the sponsor and the sponsor. Um, so, and this guy was 19 years sober, sorry, he was 15 years sober, I was 19 years sober. He started off in NA, but he just had... He was a lot more feral than what I was on the on the drink, and he'd been drinking for longer, and he'd used a lot of drugs. He was really down and out, and he was spiritual. So it was the attraction of this person, and he was coming to meetings in the Warrigal area. I was back living there again, or still living there. So I, I asked this guy to take me through the steps, and this is when we um, uh, this is when I thoroughly went through it. And the and the thing was with the step eight and nine. Before we got to that, I obviously did step five with him. But what he did as we we're going through it, and he, we did the first, I did the first two columns, and then we did the next three columns together. But before we started on column three, he did state to me, he asked me to go, after the, I listed the harms that they've, they'd done to me, because that was the easy bit, because I could always remember that in vivid detail. He would, but what the part that stumped me was he goes, well, before we go on to the next column, tell me what you did. In, in What was your response to that? What did you do? And that... When we wrote down that, that was that. Then we went through the next three column, the next sorry, the next two columns, and then we put a tact on the next column, which was really what I was going to say in step nine. So I did this. This is why I did it, and this is what I need to apologise for. And then I would write it down in front of him. So I had it already formulated. I could not say, I don't know what to say. It's going to be too confusing. Uh, maybe I've got to apologise and make it too big. I've got, this is what I did, this is what I need to apologise for, and this is why I did it. And unlike what I did with my ridiculous way when I was first sober, which was just, you know, pick a guy on the street because I wanted to apologise to him because I was, uh, you know, ridiculously random, I actually went through the list and said, who shall I do first and who shall I do second? And obviously the hardest people, but the people that gave me the greatest benefit were my, my family. I don't know, you know, like the people that are closest to me because I caused them harms again and again and again. Not some random stranger who I drank a slab. They met, not a stranger, but some, some, you know, very, very distant acquaintance who I haven't, I've seen him like three times in the last 26 years or, you know, so apologising to Philip, that didn't, didn't change much. It didn't change my life much either. Apologising to my son, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life emotionally, who's... Uh, my kids have never seen me drink and I've never seen them drink. Uh, my son was... got uh, Oh, how long sober? He was three and a half years sober when he was born. Um, he's 23 years of age and I apologised to him when I was obviously 19 years sober. So, And it was about the stuff I did sober. And it was about particularly in the first five years of his life, apologised to my then partner but now ex-partner. Um, that was very difficult. And then, you know, like uh, those things... Did they, they uh, gave me the greatest spiritual growth out of anything that I've ever done in sobriety, um, because and the hardest things I've done. Obviously, the the greatest benefit is the hardest things because it's so because I just caused harms to the people that I loved, you know, and and I just don't like to, yeah. So that gave me the greatest relief, and um, and the, but that was the courage I got to go through this process, the the systematic way that I did it. What I before I you know. One, I was attracted to this guy. Before I went through that process, what, what really nailed down how much this guy knew about this program, my sponsor's name was Tony, um, what nailed down what he knew that I, I, was, I was bewildered by about in NIA about this program was we went through the big book and I'd, I'd read that thing 
you know, over a hundred times minimum. Maybe who cares how many times it was? Hundreds. It was in the hundreds anyway. So anyway, I've read this book again and again and again. I'd read it like a novel. So I'd just go through. I'd mark a page and you know, read some one night, read some more. And then I went through the book with Tony, and I realised that it was actually a textbook for living. I realised one, it was a textbook. Um, yeah, it's like yeah, because I treated it like it was an away again. You know, concentrate on the on the drinking stories or whatever. And oh yeah, all this information about what you're meant to do with yourself. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. I've sort of half done that because I was only self-reflecting. And then when he went through the book, I go, this guy knows 50 times more than me and I've never looked at this book in this way. And it was hum- that was humbling, you know, because I thought, well, I'm sober so long, I must know a lot. Well, I didn't. I knew very – I had a rudimentary understanding. Um, for me, drinking wasn't, you know, like uh, – there, there is that thing that you say that uh, if you don't do the steps, you might drink. Well, I've done step one. You, you will drink if you don't do step one, Okay tell you that unequivocally we're not going back there but if you if i done step one i can't stand drinking because i just i hurt people too much i can't stand the person that i am but i wanted i never got into the person that my full potential and the person i wanted to be that's what doing the rest of the steps do what do you want to do with yourself do you want to be stark raving sober you know you can be because i have been there for a number of years and from doing those steps from doing is particularly step eight and nine nine is the hardest step i've done Writing down things on a piece of paper, well, that's so what? But the relevance of going to a person is seeing how I harm them and how it reflects back. Because I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic, I'm selfish. If I get hurt, I've got, to, I've got to do something in reaction to it, you know, and not think about the consequences and just think about, well, you hurt me, you know, and it, that's, that's enough. That's, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't deal with this situation, so I have to, you know, use my coping mechanisms, which are, piss, which are extremely poor. So I have to get it. I had to do it. I was always justifying. I was always victimising myself. And I could see that the most important thing is how I treat others and the way to treat others. And yeah, and uh, so that's how I sort of that's how I went through the steps. So I went through the first two columns. We went to the third. Then we were with my sponsor. The third was what did I actually do to the to that second column? What they did to me, my actual reaction to it. And then I went through my my uh, basic instincts where they were out of whack. And and that those. I had that without doing the steps. I always had this psychic poison, which was the secrets that I couldn't reveal to myself. I thought I could, but I thought I could just think through them and get through them. But they were driving me. My motivations to do these harms were still driving me. And and by doing these steps, they don't anymore. So I've got a release. I've got a release from my alcoholic behaviour, my selfish behaviour. So I'm not perfect, but I'm certainly got. And I can now use that step ten. All because I did step nine, but as I said, that's the hardest part. Anyone that thinks writing down, I don't know why people think step four is so hard. Seriously, it's just like you're putting stuff in a textbook. You're just putting stuff on, a, on an exercise book. How, how, how hard can that be? It's actually step um, step nine. And then once you've done step nine, you realise that gives you the greatest benefit, and then you realise you need to do it walking around doing step ten. And I'll shut up. Thanks. Information about the Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available at stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au.